The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fretz. Happy New Year's, everybody. Welcome back to Fretzelmania. And I couldn't think of a better way to ring in the new year than reviewing Starcade 1990. I am joined this week, of course, by one of my good brothers from across the wrestling podcasting landscape, and that is Kyle from the Apron Bump podcast. You can give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Apron Bump. His podcast can be found where all podcasts can be heard, so Apple, Spotify, all over the place, just like Russell Attic Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Also, apronbump.com if you'll want to go through his catalog, because Kyle, like me, is reviewing retro wrestling of a certain era, like early Ring of Honor, like uh, like Prime NWA TNA, New Generation Era WWE, ECW, and WCW, and so much more, including things like Progress Wrestling. So if you like retro stuff, give Kyle a follow, give him a shot, and uh, yeah, join us through this uh, hilariously bumpy road as we figure out who the Black Scorpion is and why we like the USSR so much. Just listen and find out. It's Starcade 1990, the Pat O'Connor Memorial Tag Team Tournament. Stan Hansen and Lex Luger in a bull rope match. Sting versus the mysterious Lex Luger, Ric Flair, and so much more. Strap in, folks. You're in for an apron bumpy ride. Who is the Black Scorpion? Is it the 1989 Denver Broncos? Is it Mephisto? Is it Chef? Is it Ric Flair? Is it Ollie Anderson? Or is it my guest today, my good brother from, from down south, from the Apron Bump podcast? Welcome to Russell Attic Radio's Fretzelmania number, what is this, 57? Holy crap. And Happy New Year when you're hearing yes, this. Thank you. Yeah, Kyle, thanks for coming on, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, I've been listening for a while. It's it's fun to finally come on. I'm finally I'm here to represent the uh, the Steiners of the uh, Pat O'Connor tournament on this show. Oh boy, yeah, we're gonna get there. Uh, I don't know the name of the two Canadian blokes who are in it, but I'd rather Doesn't represent matter. those uh, those Soviet guys that were in there because they were kind of badass. Dude, they they were unexpectedly awesome. I thought they were gonna be lame, but I was a big fan big fan oh they reminded me of like every well we'll get there but there's like a heavy set weightlifter type guy that reminds me of like one of my old friends from school who was like you, you like you look at me like i'm i'm chunky but that's like uh, thick would that be the word to say thick thick's the word yeah with three two c's, c's. oh three okay, oh, oh three, only three? Right. look don't don't let me get in the way you know three c's if you think so i'm not gonna argue with it all right. So uh, tell everyone here, Kyle, a bit about yourself, what you do, and uh, how you got into wrestling. Oh, man. Well, uh, as far as wrestling goes, I've been watching since like 98, 99, somewhere in there. It's a little fuzzy. Um, but got into, you know, I was a WWF kid, watched, you know, the Attitude Era. I'm one of those kids that grew up with that, and I've uh, been pretty much watching ever since. I and mean, I've kind of expanded to, uh, other like you know independent other wrestling promotions which i cover in my podcast as well but i love all kinds of wrestling um that that's wrestling's like the one thing in my life that's like stayed consistent you know there's like sports i like i'm in and out 
uh, TV shows I'm in and out, but wrestling's a thing that uh, I've always been into and still into this day. So, um, a fun fact, you know, Starcade 1990, the show we're covering today, is the oldest wrestling show that I've ever watched from start to finish. So it was it was a trip watching this show. Oh man, it's uh, yeah, it was quite the treat. Uh, I've been go- going through your podcast as well. You've been going through about four or five different eras in wrestling all at the same time. Like you're covering a bit of new gen right now. Mm -hmm. And I think with your new generation, it's also following ECW, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. ECW, WCW, WWF all. uh, So I started in like mid 1994 and I've worked my way towards where I am now, which is like mid 95. So I've covered about a year's worth of that. It's a, it's definitely a uh, transition period for wrestling, but it's, it's interesting to watch like in real time, basically. So, yeah, it is. I was on you. I was on with you for uh, King of the Ring '95. Oof. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I put you through that. You, you know, I I don't know if I mentioned it, but I had a childhood obsession with tracking this pay per view down, just because mm-hmm. I wanted to watch everything. Like, so in '95, I was casually watching. It would be something I watched with uh, my late father. We would. Mm-hmm. We used to have a family butcher shop with my uncle, my dad. We all, they all ran it together and I would do chores if it was feeding the pigs or shoveling shit or bagging jerky and, and bacon. Our, our bacon was top notch, but by the way, and <laughs> we'd get home for lunch and, ju- and just watch it. Like my, he didn't keep track of it, but you know, it was just something mm-hmm. that was, that was there, but it was through him and through my cousins who were at the farm that would get me right into that around this time. And of all places that we had our wrestling rentals was the hardware store. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Like our tapes there. Yep. Our, well, we had a, it was a small town. Uh-huh. So our hardware. <laughs> yeah, that's lawless. It's oh, very much so up in Southern Ontario. Um, uh-huh. You could go there and rent wrestling tapes, a, vast horror section and porno so hardware well, what else do you need really hardware huh egg, who's egg. with us <laughs> exactly <laughs> and i i hear the crickets out outside my door right no, it's, now it's funny actually that's that's similar to how i got into wrestling too because my dad would show me um goldberg matches because he was the hot shit at the time so uh, that's pretty much how i got into it and then i would eventually like, stumble upon it me and uh like growing up i don't know how this happened I don't know if I like accidentally got access to my parents' credit card or what it was, but we would get, there was like a glitch in the system where we would get pay-per-views for free. So I, I think the first show I remember watching was WrestleMania. Um, is the boss man getting hanged one? Is that 15? That's 15. That was my first 15. <laughs> yeah. That was the first show I ever watched. That's like my first, it's my first memory of wrestling. So, um, and my cousins too, they were big wrestling fans and they, they were kind of like facilitated that. Cause like my dad, introduced me to it my cousins we would like watch it together and that kind of like built um my fandom i guess in my early days so it's, it's funny how we had kind of similar paths uh, even though I, I might be about a decade older than you but that's still you know i i was Some born don't change that's right i was born the same year as hulkamania literally three months after hulk hogan beat the iron sheik for the title i came into this world oh but i didn't know who hulk hogan was until about 92 right yeah yeah that's it. yeah i mean i didn't know who hulk hogan was uh 
I mean, I was born well past Hulkamania, so I was born around the time he went to WCW, if that tells you anything. Okay, that's... Whew. March that, 93. March. Oh, there you go. That was right around the time uh, he beat Yoko for the title at WrestleMania 9. Right, so I was born and then that happened. So I guess I just shook up everything and ruined wrestling for a little bit. Rated Caesar's parking lot. I, you know, I've never seen that show, but I want to. Don't. I, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe when you, if you get a Patreon, put it up on there. Yeah, I do like some at some point. Like I'd like to go just back and do random older, like out of my timeline, and that'd be a good one. If nothing else, for just the the shit show that it was. <laughs> it was outrageous. Uh, do you have a favorite match, Kings of the Rings? I'm sorry, I'm stealing kind of your first Uh-oh. guest game here, but do you have a favorite match? Just in general? Yeah, in general. Wrestling? All time. Anything. Uh, my my go-to is uh, TLC2 at WrestleMania 17. That's like... So there was like a period where I was like... I first got into wrestling and kind of just like had it on, watched it, but didn't really absorb it. WrestleMania 17 is that show where it was like, okay, this is like not just a thing I have on in the background. This is a thing that I'm going to be following from week to week. Um, So WrestleMania 17 is definitely my favorite show of all time. Um, and if I had to pick a match, it'd probably be, uh, the TLC match. Cause it was just like, and I'm, I'm a big Hardy boys, Mark still am to this day. Uh, they were my fa- favorite wrestlers growing up. So seeing them in a big match like that and just the crazy, especially at the time, just super innovative, even like, you know, even watching today, like it holds up today for sure. I watched it like somewhat recently. Um, yeah, that, that, that TLC match is crazy, man. Crazy. It's a guilty pleasure. Uh, the hardcore title match from that show is just a guilty pleasure of mine. Same, same. Uh, Raven uh, <laughs> driving the golf cart, golf cart into the wall or whatever he did. That almost, whole show is amazing. He almost knocked out power to that entire show too, with with that golf cart spot. Yeah, Tommy Dreamer almost uh, ran in the ring and killed himself too. You know, but have you heard that story? <laughs> oh, please elaborate before we go on here. Oh man, well, so I, I love like a loose knowledge of it. I don't even know if it's like how true it is, but apparently Dreamer said in an interview, this is like, I don't know, a year or two ago that he like pondered like showing up in the middle of a show and like shooting himself in the middle of the ring. I'm paraphrasing. Don't, don't quote me on this, but it was something along those lines. Obviously he didn't do it. So, um, but it's just one of those crazy things. It's like, what if that happened? Good thing it didn't. Obviously, you know. But. Oh, all right, on. Hey, do you want to hear what uh, the pop culture scene was like before we get into Starcade in nineteen ninety? Absolutely. Your number one movie was uh, one that I watched well recently because it's a holiday release. The first Home Alone. You know what's funny? I have never seen Home Alone. Not I haven't seen number one or two. I've seen Home Alone three. And growing up, for whatever reason, I thought that was the only Home Alone. So in my mind, that was Home Alone 1. But then literally like a week ago, it was like Christmas time. I was like, you know what? It's Home Alone. And then I realized that the, the Home Alone in my head was the third one that nobody likes for some reason. But that's my favorite. Is that the one that yeah, has well. like the Russian spies or something? Or Yes. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, not Macaulay Culkin. This is like a different kid. Oh, that's the kid from Liar Liar, I think. Is it? Yeah. I, I'm yeah, I, I'm certain because Culkin was like 18 by the time that movie rolled around, so he was yeah, and not yeah, doing was like seven years after the first one. I see. 
And did you know, of all people that have an album out in December 1990, was Kid Rock? Really? <laughs> it's called <laughs> Grits and Sandwiches for Breakfast. God, Kid Rock is an asshole. <laughs> oh. I can't stand Kid Rock. <laughs> he was a guilty pleasure in high school, along with Limp Biscuit and all them. It, 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 it's, it was of the time. Uh, in our rock. And butt rock, yes, I, I I do love butt rock. Shout out to uh, uh to Aunt uh, no Aunt and everyone at Elite POV. Good shit there, pal. Mm -hmm. uh, we had Commander Keen for the MS DOS, and I might be speaking gibberish here to a young fella. And one of my favorite NES games, Mega Man Three. Mm, I was I never had an NES, but I've played Mega Man on like like a Wii or something. It's a fun game. Oh, they are classics. So. Starcade 1990, we are live from St. Louis, Missouri, a historic wrestling town, and the commentary duo here, coming full circle again, Nate the and Great Take a Shot, is JR and Paul Heyman. Hell yeah, man. I, I was pleasantly surprised to see these two. I like sometimes forget that they did commentary together, because I, I associate them with like 2001 commentary in WWF. And they're like one of my favorite duos, so I was excited to see them. I I, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I, I love JR and Heyman. I wish they had more of a run in the company and say with this invasion angle, if I were to dust off the fantasy book here for a second, you have WCW win, you get a power struggle, and then say WrestleMania, you have the War Games blow off, and that's when you get King coming back. But we have here opening the show is... Historic wrestling promoter Sam Mushnick cutting a, a mm. promo here amidst one of many problems they would have tonight here with audio issues. I couldn't understand a damn word he said, but St. Louis is historic and he's not to be confused with Phil Mushnick. Ask Jim Cornette about him or don't. You might get blocked. <laughs> Was this, uh, didn't they say on commentary that this is like the last show ever in this uh, arena? I think it was that this might have been one of those old arenas that got torn down. I'm I'm pretty sure the St. Louis Blues played there. Uh-huh. Or or maybe the uh, I don't think I don't think the Cardinals would have played there, but we we get here advertisements for what is going to be taken over this whole night, the Pat O'Connor Memorial Tag Team Tournament. Now Pat O'Connor is a old school historic wrestler going back to I think even the Hackenschmidt days where he was consecutively the AWA and NWA champion, eat your hot out, Nick Bockwinkle. Opening the show, oh, this was a banger here. We had beautiful Bobby Eaton, who we recently lost, RIP, versus the Z-Man, or if you're a Canadian, the Z-Man, Tom Zank. And how did you like the Starcade stats here, Kyle? I hated them. They were like... <laughs> They're like, because JR would just read them. Like, I don't know if you've ever like been in school. Maybe that was like, you know, before or after your time. But when I went to college, there were some classes where a teacher would just have PowerPoints on the screen and they would just read it word for word. Yep. It's like, if you have the words there, I can read it. You don't need to say it. And that's how it's kind of felt here. It was like, he, this could have been stuff that JR said without the graphic, in my opinion. It was kind of silly. But I guess maybe they're, I don't know if this is a new thing they were trying out or what. But if it was, I don't blame them for trying something i think this was when jim heard took over the company and if that name rings any bells 
This is the same guy who told Ric Flair to dress up like Spartacus, and Flair said, fuck that, I'm going to the WWE. <laughs> well, it makes sense then, with that context. It's no Matt Facts, though. It's no Matt Hardy V1. Uh, Matt Facts, right? Is that what it's called? Uh, Matt Facts. Uh, Matt Hardy dis- strongly dislikes mustard. Yeah, so it's good that they... Uh, it's actually funny. Like, it's not that different, because they do it nowadays, right? When the wrestlers come out, and they had like, the little graphic, and it's like... Oh, they have some stupid ones. They'll be like who they're dating or uh, still drinking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some things don't change again. Or doesn't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie and they're wrong. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fighting words here. So <laughs> Zankman here has been on a 35 and 0 winning streak. I guess this is where Bill Goldberg got his idea. Mm. And yeah. ref... Did you notice that Nick Patrick was refing this match? Uh, I think I did. Yeah, I saw him throughout the show. Look, looking pretty similar to how he always looked. Oh, yeah. But we had a pretty good high-flying match here. There was a nice crossbody by Zank, a big scoop slam, a nice drop kick, and uh, a zuplex. I, I wrote this down as zuplex, spelling suplex with the Z. Uh, a mm. suplex to the outside. And this is where, in a show I reviewed previously on this on this channel where something going over the top rope was a disqualification, which is the dumbest rule that wrestling has yeah. ever put out. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but it's not a disqualification because Zank was on the outside of the ring, and I think it, he suplexed Bobby Eaton or, or vice versa, but I guess it's not a DQ. So stupid. And uh, JR calls Paul Heyman here, <clears throat> and I quote, a psycho ceramic crackpot <laughs> i bet he had that one written down he's just waiting to unleash it that 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 is a very funny one here we have uh bobby going for the bulldog in alabama jam like the master of the top rope leg drop here was bobby eaton beautiful the, the most beautiful leg drop you'll ever see like it's like not even like god rest his soul brian christopher his has got to be like a runner-up yeah, you know, another one, uh, Kenny from the Spirit Squad had a really good one, too. I just remembered that because I was thinking, like, who else did? Well, Fandango did it, but it, uh, he tried to be Kenny Dykstra, but it just didn't land. Mm. You got to think, though, a leg drop from the top rope has got to be one of the most, like, like over time, one of the most, like, detrimental moves to do. Because, like, Matt Hardy, he's come out and said that his, like, his back is fused to his pelvis or something. And even, like, Hulk Hogan doing it just from standing up, he's all messed up now because of that well hulk hogan said he shrunk like two inches because of it i bet i bet yeah not in the place where you think but <laughs> <laughs> we see a really nice spot here where eaton gets crotched on the on the ring pole here a super kick a missile drop kick that hit nobody and then eventually bobby eaton here hits a cradle and a win what did you think of this opening match honestly like it's, it's, tough, it's tough to really say because there's like 14 matches on this card um, in less than three hours. But this might be my match of the night, honestly. Um, just from the pure like action in the ring. I uh, really did a good job setting the tone for the show. Because I turned this on. Like I said, I've never see, watched a show from 1990. So I was like, ugh. Like I'm picturing in my head like black and white, you know, Haystacks, Calhoun type stuff. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised. It was very ahead of its time. Beautiful Bobby, one of the best of all time. And then Z-Man. Don't know that much about him, but he seemed like he was moving around really well. Um, 
especially for the time doing like all the cross bodies and springboards and stuff. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good, that was a solid match. Solid match. Yeah. Tom Zank actually tagged with uh, Rick Martell at the opening match of WrestleMania three mm. as well. So it shows you where he came from here. Tony yeah. Schiavone, Schiavante here is interviewing legendary wrestler, Dick, the bruiser, who is going to be the, the guest referee for our steel cage match main event between mm-hmm. sting and the black scorpion oh oh we're gonna get there can we not <laughs> well can we, can, we, can we just glaze over that pretend it didn't happen i'll, I'll just i'll just hit uh, stop recording around around uh, that point perfect he calls himself bruiser here calls himself the champion of cage matches and uh he, he claims that there was more than one black scorpion and there is mm-hmm. <laughs> and too many yeah and now kicks off the Pat O'Connor Memorial Tag Team Tournament with a parade of flags. Which is just a bunch of ladies in evening gowns running uh-huh. flags down the ring. Can I tell you my favorite part about that? Oh, is no. That, uh, like each one would come down like one by one. And it was funny just to see which ones got booed. <laughs> like the yeah. Soviet Union and uh, like Japan got booed too. Like, I don't know, still sour about Pearl Harbor, I guess. But um. Yeah, that was very interesting how that was presented. I, I was totally expecting uh, Canada to get booze here, but I was pleasantly surprised. And yeah. the, the winner of this tournament would become the universal champion. Hey, really? Or the head of the... T- yeah, I, I wrote down here the universal tag team champions. A young Roman Reigns just nods. <laughs> probably, back, probably backstage at this event. Alpha was probably there because the... Well, is it the head shrinkers like Fatu was working for the company at that time? Yeah, they should have had a Samoan team, they could have replaced like New Zealand or somebody with that. Yeah, because New Zealand, uh, well, had actually New Zealand and South Africa, I think both had Americans on their team because I guess there, was, there wasn't enough <laughs> to go around. By the way, how do they because all these teams had seeds like they had one through eight? How do they determine that? Is that like uh how their economy's doing or like their social well-being of the country like how, how did they come up with these seeds for these teams well i think the ussr would come dead last in that because they would crumble like less than a year after this but right. uh it was probably like a random drawing kind of like maybe a king of the ring thing because they won other matches previous to this in order to qualify so they probably had mm, okay. like 10 other countries we probably had like brazil they looked at the map in Street Fighter 1, which wasn't even out yet by this point in time, and just yeah, and, and went that from there. Sense. Our opening quarterfinal match is South Africa's Colonel de Klerk and Sergeant Kruger. Uh, fun fact, Colonel de Klerk is Rocco Rock. Is he really? Yes. Wow, I need to go rewatch this now with that context. Versus the Steiner brothers, both teams... A theme throughout the night is these teams are coming out to their country's national anthem. And uh, Kruger, I was trying to figure out who Kruger was. I thought he was Matt Bourne, a.k.a. Heel Doink, but I, I could not find a damn thing on him. And this uh, this match was a giant mess. And there was a very infamous gif, or however the shit you pronounce, jif, during this yeah, match. I where talking about. <laughs> one of the guys here, I think it was DeClerc, goes for a it dive was. to the dive to the outside but rick steiner kind of half catches him no sells him and just blaps power bombs him right on the concrete (laughs) 
I don't even consider it a power bomb. He just pretty much just the clerk just went over the top rope and bounced off of Rick Steiner and went headfirst into the concrete. Just disgusting. Uh, Classic Steiner. I want to see if they have like Braun Breaker pull out something like this in NXT. That that would get me to watch NXT again is if Braun Breaker like does that once. (laughs) Well, there's still time. He's, He's still very young in his career, so I don't doubt that at all. He's about. I think he's going to win the title next week, but that's. I do too. Neither here nor there, and I, I don't want to think about it because black and gold was my jam. But what wasn't black and gold here, or what could have turned a guy black and gold, was a Steiner line, a tilt a whirl Frankensteiner, or just no tilt a whirl slam, then a Frankensteiner, and a theme throughout this night. I, I think. Have you noticed that some of the pinfalls here were kind of botched or mistimed or? Yes effed up this was one of them i mean i made a note of that as well i didn't know if that was just like a thing people did during this time because they would yeah like you said he hit the frankensteiner one two and then he just hops off like, yeah we won and then the ref just counts the third one even though he's not on him but the crowd doesn't care this it's all frankensteiner and they're like yeah it's probably it let's get these these uh what country is it new zealand no south africa south africa let's get these south african guys out of here don't need rocco rock public enemy ass get them in the truth commission yeah <laughs> that's who they should have had out here what with a friggin' inter and the interrogator no i'm trying to think of that sergeant guy who was in the truth co- commission not general adnan uh, it, it it'll come to me like uh, in in 10 hours but yeah <laughs> yeah anyways here moving on the uk Craig, Craig no not craig Pittman. that that's oh, okay. that's what you're reviewing um the commandant right. there he is there we go. Jostled it loose for you. That's right there. Now this one, oh, this next one was a banger because we had four of the best workers of the time. We had the UK's gentleman, Chris Adams and Norman Smiley. Yes, that Norman Smiley versus Ray Mysterio Sr. and Conan. Now, Chris Adams is a UK wrestler. I think he went on to work for WCW for a little bit. After this, he was the first person I saw do the super kick. Not Shawn Michaels, not Glacier, but it was Chris mm-hmm. Adams. And I believe that Stone Cold Steve Austin dated his ex-wife or something like that. The, 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 the blonde British yep. lady that coined the term Stone Cold is this person here. And of course, Norman Smiley would go on to WCW infamy during its uh, dying days and his still to this day at the performance center just a legend yep. in the industry the big wiggle a big wiggle I'll, I'll never forget the the big wiggle with a football gear on and a leafs jersey because they were in toronto <laughs> <laughs> that was the night that uh bret hart got speared with the suit of armor that's the most wtw thing i've ever heard in my life oh <laughs> oh yeah maybe i'll bring in one of those show you for just those shows but yeah Norman Smiley here is just a fantastic like chain wrestler, gra- ground wrestler. Chris Adams here that the super kick the Mysterio on the outside. Smiley with a really good fisherman suplex. Team Mexico here. I, I should have mentioned here that Mexico is Mysterio and Conan, but that's probably <clears throat> a given. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah, pretty self-explanatory. Mysterio gets a nice bump here on the steps. There's the really cool finish here that reminded me of... Uh, Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas with the super kick German combo. And I think this mm-hmm. is where the UK gets the win. 
Oh, no, they don't. Does... Mm-hmm. Oh, I went into further in my notes here and I look like an idiot when I record and that's just how <laughs> I go. <laughs> Adam's We're here. Live, pal. We're live, pal. Shit, Sid. Uh, a sling blade I saw Chris Adams pu- uh, pull out here look really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Conan reverses a top rope suplex and the Mexicals here win this match. And then at the end, for no reason, Rey Mysterio just dives on a guy. Dude, this, this match was like... Like it's it's four talented guys, but this is kind of a wonky one. First, so first of all, uh, <laughs> I saw this card. Like I looked at all the matches, and I was like, Rey Mysterio was wrestling in 1990. Was this guy 13 wrestling in WCW? But it's his uh, his uncle actually, Rey Mysterio. Um, so it's interesting. I've never seen him wrestle. So this was quite the uh, you kind of gather why Rey Mysterio Jr. is the more, more famous one, but um. Yeah, it, it was fun. Chris Adams, I've only heard of him through Steve Austin stories. Um, and it's Conan, he's the timeless, whether it's here or TNA in 2005 or wherever, anywhere in between. He's uh, he's, he's pretty much the same <laughs> wherever you wherever you see him, but he's, he's entertaining, that's for sure. One note, though, here. So no one knew <laughs> what Rey Mysterio's last name was. Because I don't know if you noticed, but the graphic, like when he came out, said Rey Mysteriac. It had like a, a C instead of an O. And uh, I guess it was on the notes of the commentary too, because JR kept calling him Ray Mysteriac. <laughs> and Paul Heyman, you could hear him correct him Mysterio. And then like the ring announcer calls him Ray Mysterioso. And then JR's like, yeah, Ray Mysterioso. It was like, that was kind of a mess, but <laughs> it's funny in hindsight because now that name is so uh, famous. Yeah, that's uh, this was a really, really fun match here. It was a great clash of styles with uh, yeah. like your more ground type wrestlers with your high flyers. Th- this was something that could have been found like right on the Heart Family Dungeon. Yeah, this is probably one of the probably one of, if not the best uh, tournament match of the card. It might be my favorite one here. And oh boy, do you like uh, computers predicting outcomes, Kyle? Oh, yeah, especially when it's like an etch a sketch that they're holding. <laughs> 1990 like i don't know what computers looked like back then but i doubt it was that uh have you ever used ms dos i have not uh okay yeah it's, it's like that or a commodore 64 if you've ever seen them that's what computers were like back then very primitive loud and big right yeah it was a big uh yeah the, the computer predicted that uh that uh irs would win so computer doesn't lie in eight minutes and 32 seconds or less. How specific? Yeah. The technology, man. It's ahead of its time. Yeah, this was, of course, an interview with Alexandra York, who would go on to be who? I don't know. Marlena. Oh, man. I was watching her. I was like, why does she look so familiar? I, I, I forgot to look it up. But yeah, now that you say that, that, was, that makes sense. That makes sense. She had her... her stable here the york foundation speaking of austin i think austin was in the york foundation for for a brief spell here and vk wall street that of course is the the future irs who would actually be in the wwe like five six months after this yeah i believe it i i because i knew because he's what he's michael wall street here right and i knew about vk wall street after his wwf run but i never knew about this iteration of him so it was it was interesting he had just come out of the the varsity club with Rick Steiner, Kevin Sullivan, and uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams. 
So this was him switching up his gimmick right. a little bit. Okay. Yeah. New Zealand's Rip Morgan and Jacko Victory. This, oh. this is the worst wrestling name I've ever heard in my life. Jacko Victory. Take out the O and this is ECW's Jack Victory, who is like a heavy right. for Steve Carino. Right. That, that, that's the same guy, right? It's the same guy. Jack Victory was okay. actually also in uh, the new Midnight Express. Yikes. Because I think it was Condry or someone was injured. It was, it was one of my other previous shows. Going up against the great Muda and the man named after that suplex, Mr. Saito. Yes. And uh, Jacko, is, is that offensive? Is, is that... <laughs> <laughs> Depends how you say it. Maybe jack like, off, but Jacko's fine. Jacko is a little rough. We'll have to get one of our Australian listeners on this one, but mm. this this match was kind of sloppy. Here we had Great Muda. He did a really nice flying attack to Jacko on the outside. They call Saito the Suplex Master. Taz is taking notes here. Uh, Muda with a <laughs> great spinning kick and that mwah, that handspring elbow that like every female started doing after china yeah but no one's ever done it as good as muda here china actually landed it pretty okay i think yeah yeah not too bad we have a uh, the saito suplex and another botched pinfall another weird <laughs> sloppy quick match ah uh, yeah no no time for that third count we got a lot of matches to get through it's just bing bang just two count get out of here it just set it up on a two count in a fire pro wrestling. You can actually do that. Yeah. If by the way, Mr. Saito is a hoss. I don't know if I've ever actually seen him wrestle, but that is a girthy boy. He's but right like around the muscle. He is. He's right around the end of his career because in like the seventies, he was a multi-time tag team champion with Mr. Fuji. Oh yeah. 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 Now that you say that, that, that jogs my memory. But yeah, the Saito Suplex is like low-key one of my favorite moves. I love a good snappy one. So it's happy to see the originator here. He was good. Uh, Paul Heyman here with that comically large cell phone. He's trying to do uh, bad Japanese English. <laughs> That's my uh, my personal Twitter, which I don't really use anymore. But my, my Twitter handle is speaka.english because I'm Filipino and everybody thinks I'm Japanese for some reason. Oh my. And I, I think he was trying to cut a promo here with, uh, with team Japan and nothing was, everything was getting lost in translation. And now, mm. okay, now we're talking team Canada, except there's no hockey sticks. There's no flags. <laughs> no Eric Young. No, no one. No Scott Demore. No Petey Williams. I haven't heard of either of these guys and I'm, the Canadian wrestling historian here. So we have Bull Johnson and Troy Montour going up against USSR's Victor Zangief and Salman Hashnikov. And yes, Victor Zangief is the namesake for Street Fighter's Zangief. Oh, of course. Is he really? He, he actually he is. He really is. Oh wow, that's a fun fact. Yeah, when I was researching that, I thought, oh, that was kind of cool. We have uh, 
Bullwhip Johnson, I think he was the the fellow dressed up in the native headdress here. Hmm. A native a native Canadian, I guess is what you would say. Is that I, is that what native Canadians look like? Do they look like Tatanka? Uh no, I actually I actually live within like a couple of kilometers of a of a reserve of an Indian reserve. Oh really? Yeah, like my half of my half of the beach I'm on is like there's been like this land dispute going on for years and years. Mm-hmm. Just just about the beach, like not the street that I'm on, but it's yeah, for, for First Nations, it's yeah. Um Bull Bull Johnson here, they said that he died with a remote control in his hand because he loved TV so much. That's the one headline when I was trying to research him that came up. <laughs> what a legacy. Because the though the remote might have just been a new thing at this point in time, like like this fangled device right here. Like I remember, you know, turning the dial on the TV. I am actually that old. Back in my day. Yeah. Oh, it's Troy that's the native Canadian. I'm sorry. But Zangief here, he's a very, very hairy man. I've never seen anybody more hairy in uh, my life. Wait till you get to Los Bariquas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miguel Perez. Just look, look up that one. He, they're, they're right up there with A-Train and, and uh, Robin Williams in terms of, of body right. hair level. A train has nothing on Zangief that uh, you could braid all of his hairs. Uh, he's he, and, he, and he's that big burly fellow that I told you that reminded me of somebody here. And uh, they're really putting over USR's amateur wrestling background. And you can tell with the way they were just hoying these guys around. Yeah, they were they were legit. That's for sure. It's an, I actually tried uh, wrestling in high school and they reminded me of like the big dudes that were on the team. And I'm like, no, okay, I'm done. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I wanted for me because I wanted to do it. I really did. But Hashnikov here hits a really beautiful crisp waistlock suplex that resulted in another effed up pinfall. Mm. Yeah. What was? Because I put in my notes that there was a botched finish, but I forget what it was exactly. I think it could have been like I, I didn't write it down either, but it, maybe it could have been. Either like the shoulder was up too soon or the three count was messed up again, but it was, it's just a general theme throughout this whole show. I think this is the one where it was like a, like a four count or something. I don't know. It was the ref, the refing and the pins were, uh, it feels like a thing that should be easy, but I guess maybe it's not. I don't know. It didn't seem like it in the show. It might've been like the, the scab referees like they had for Unforgiven 99. <laughs> Who could forget? Yeah, that's that's the same historic event as the Kettle from Hell. Just wait till you get there. 19, oh, I've, I've seen it before, but uh, I watched yeah, it 1999. Line. 1999 was had a lot of stinkers across all companies. I watched most of those pay per views live. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, because I think oh, what you said is you can get pay per views for free. I had buddies that had like those little cards you put in your satellite dish receiver, and then boom, free wrestling. Yeah. Well, you got it. Your money's worth it. Indeed. Uh, Sting has an interview here saying that anything can happen. He has a clear head and he's going to find out who the black Scorpion is. And we're Ooh. about, we're about to find out here. So Can't now we wait, it's going to be good. So our, our, sorry, the audio here is com- coming and going. So it sounds like I'm interrupting you, but. Oh, no, you're, you're good on my end. Okay. It's, I have really sh- shitty internet here, but. Speaking of shady internet, the York Foundation and their computer to predict outcomes. 
Michael Wall Street and Terry, don't call me the Red Rooster Taylor. <laughs> so that's that's as, as somebody that was born in '93. That's pretty much all I associate Terry Taylor with. So, yeah, it's funny really playing to my uh, how I enjoyed this match. <laughs> Terry Taylor actually had a singles run in the WWE in '93. <laughs> Fun fact. I'm not interested. No, it's nothing from that point is. But we have the. Imagine a computer using to generate incomes. Imagine stats. Like, even thinking about that in 1990, like, the internet was barely even a thing with 2021-2022 eyes by the time you people hear this. Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. It's it's like nothing, but you have to put yourself in the perspective of back then thinking, holy crap, computers can do that. Uh, we have this count. The, the, the clock starts counting down from 832. Yeah. Which no. is just, it's an arbitrary number. Well, no, no, 832 is the time that it was predicted predicted by the computer that he would beat him in with it, within that time. So it's not like any match on the show other than the main event lasted longer than that. So <laughs> yeah, there, there's one here that's just going to be second tier, but we have the classic abdominal stretch heel tactic with the ropes by, by Wall Street. Terry Taylor with the babyface trope of being a house of fire for the last three minutes. Did I hear myself say three minutes? Uh, <laughs> we see the the flying, not the forearm, the five arm. Of course, because it's a little bit better. 20% better. Yeah, it's a little bit better. Not as good as Tito Santana's or friggin' Lex Luger's Bionic One. But Austin we ha- Harry's also had a five arm, a discus he- five arm. That's right, he did. I think that's Austin Starr, right? Uh, he brought it back for a little bit uh, in WWE as well, but it might have been Austin Starr as well. We have the hot shot on the rope here, the classic, you know, the Steve Austin stun gun hot shot. The hot shot, good Lord. The stock market crash, which is just your run-of-the-mill Samoan drop, and with 142 to spare, the computer was right. And Wall Street is the winner. Computer doesn't lie. That is a cool name for a finisher, especially with this character, the stock stock market crash. I dig it. You know, IRS I could do without, but for for, for an IRS match, uh, it was fine. You know, what six minutes? Yeah, he he is actually an accomplished amateur wrestler. Like when he wants to be good in the ring, he can friggin' go just. Not when you're dressed in layers and dripping like a Christmas ham. Did he have a? Uh... Oh, he did, he did. He didn't have suspenders in this match, right? It was like a singlet. It was just your yeah. It was just a regular amateur singlet. Okay, yeah. So that's why he won this match and why he never wins in WWF later is because he wrestles in suspenders and he always gets it used against him. So he kind of degressed in that aspect. <laughs> yes. This this next match here. Th- this is right up my alley here because it has one of my. F- all-time favorites we have the skyscrapers versus the mortar city madman and the big cat not that big cat ernie lad Mm-mm. who i who i think was actually mr hughes was it that that makes sense That's, uh, i didn't catch that but yeah now you say that i can see that yes uh i thought it was ice train here at first but i, I upon further inspection it was mr hughes uh sid and dan spivey as the skyscrapers here, we have Sid, who is just basically getting his career underway in, in WCW at this point in time. Dan Spivey was 
basically a veteran by this point in time. They, of course, would also have the skyscrapers with uh, me, Mark Callis, just after Sid starts his singles role here. Oh, but yeah. I didn't know I didn't know uh, Undertaker was a part of that. Just before coming to the WWE, he did that. And that's awesome. This was just a quick old squash match here. We have uh, Sid and Dan Spivey hitting a really wicked double powerbomb on the Madman and just cut print. It's over. I think the entrances were longer than the, the match itself. Yeah, what do, you, case, but... what do you think of the skyscrapers, Kyle? Oh, man. It's, it's so interesting to see, like, who was over at this time because it's a toss-up between Sid and Lex Luger who got the biggest reaction. I guess Sting, too. But um, the crowd loved uh, Sid much more than uh, Waylon Mercy here. Um, but yeah, the skyscraper, the two big bastards. I mean, I could see, you know, the little, little small hardest part of the ring in the crowd loving that team. So um, there was a squash match, like a dead, that deadlift powerbomb for the finish was super impressive because doing it on Motor City Madman, who had to be like close to 300, uh, super impressive. And there's lots of Ico Pro all around, so big fan of it. Yeah, I loved it, and I love, and I really love that they uh, interviewed Heyman afterwards, and they brought him up to eye level by just grabbing him by the scruff of his neck. <laughs> yeah, get up here, you little bitch boy. And they have this uh, one shot deal, and we decide, you know, how we want to go into 1991. And 1991 is when Sid comes to the WWE, so we know how that happens. Oh, man, really? Is it like right after? SummerSlam 91, Sid's the guest referee on the match made in hell. Mm. Can't wait for that. Speaking of can't wait, here we have Tommy Rich and Ricky Morton. Tommy Rich, of course, is replacing the injured Robert Gibson. The Rock and Roll Express versus the Freebirds, a classic. Baddest street in the whole USA. Oh man, Michael, still slaps. it still slaps. Michael P.S. Hayes, uh, with with little Richard, not that little Richard. <laughs> yeah, I saw it on the card. I was like, wait, is there a crossover? I guess little Richard didn't he do like a uh, like the national anthem for WrestleMania or something? Or well, that's that that's the little Richard. This is little Richard. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Probably, yeah, probably like a Ralphus kind of guy. Yeah, he's like a. Um, uh, who do you, who do you think's better? Because Little Richard here here is a roadie, right? For the uh, for the Freebirds, uh, who do you think would win in a match between Little Richard and Road Dog? Well, in a match, Road Dog. But we get a if you have like an actual roadie contest here, where you get I don't know who can gather up cables the fastest or do the best mic check or whatever. I might have to give the edge to Richard here because he performs his duties quite dutifully, I should say here. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, we, Hayes and Jimmy Garvin here are in uh, face paint for some reason, even though I think I mean, yeah, they're the heels because rock and roll doesn't work heel like ever. Like they're the ultimate baby face team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had the uh, Confederate flag on their face, which uh, if they came out nowadays with that, that, they'd definitely be heels. Depending on where you'd be, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a good point. We, we still see that decal to this day, but, you know, people like, oh, Dukes of Hazard. I'm not getting into that argument. <laughs> the whole podcast Dukes, itself. But, come on, I met Bo Duke. He's awesome. But we have here a reverse atomic drop on Hayes. Like, I, I love when people can sell 
a good atomic drop just comically. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like a Rick Rude or somebody. Like I, I know people who have a YouTube show called The Wrestling Show. It's actually what Nate the Effing Great does. Mm-hmm. And, there, and, there, and there's people on there where like this, this guy and his wife, just they do all this wrestling. And then unsuspectedly, the, the buddy comes up to his wife, lifts, lifts, lifts her up and then drops her with the atomic drop. <laughs> and and show her. Matt and Kate Jones, just they're, they're selling like, I don't know if they're trade yeah. pros, but they get it. And we have uh, Gibson here nailing Hayes, a spot here where there's a double figure four. The new Rock and Roll Express here has a lot of control until handsome Doc Hendricks comes in and bulldogs Morton. Little Richard tries to attack them, but gets a knee drop from the top. Gibson stops Morton at a point here and uh, reverse roll up and uh, the Rock and Roll Boys win. After the match here, the Freebirds take out their frustrations on Little Richard, nailing a double DDT on the poor sucker. Yeah. The the uh, first of all, they kept calling the the, the the Rock and Roll Express Rich and Rich and Morton, and I, every time they said it, I, I thought of Rick and Morty, so it was like tripping me up watching this. Um, we were back so in Rick t- and Morty. We were <laughs> back in time too far, Morty. Oh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a good little match here. He had like uh, it was a Gibson because he had his crutch and he crutched little Richard. That was fun. Um, so it's like. Rich and Rich and Morty, Rick and I'm gonna get it messed up. Rick and Morty win, but they don't help Little Richard, and then like, or they don't help Gibson. Wait, who gets DDT? There's so much happening here. Little Richard gets DDT after this, right? That's right. It's like they don't help Little Richard until after he gets DDT. It's like, why do you all of a sudden care now that he's I don't know, but it is what it is. No, it was like, a, did you watch Dynamite last night? I did. So it was kind of like uh, Chris Jericho's extremely late entrance with Eddie yes. Kingston and LAX. Yep. And then Eddie Kingston gets pissed off. I want to see that match, Eddie and Jericho. That'd be interesting. Be interesting for sure. Yeah. What What's also interesting here is uh, Stan the Lariat, oh. the man Hanson, having an interview here and just hawing on tobacco. Take it away, Kyle. Oh, this guy, dude. Look, I, lo- I like Stan Hansen. I love a big clothesline type of wrestler. That's like kind of my jam. But why does this dude have dip spit just s- streaming down his chest? Like he is, he has 50 chals of spit in his mouth and it's just like cascading down his chest. It lo- he looks like an idiot. He looks like an idiot, this Stan Hansen does. This might be where Undertaker got his, got his idea to start Han Tobacco on Raw. Yeah, but he at least kept it in his mouth and didn't just have a stroke and make it like come down his his face and his chin like a he doofus. Did, he did make Tommy Dreamer drink the spit once. Yeah, <laughs> that famous GIF. Oh boy, and uh, there, this is going to be a lariat match, which is just uh, what is it like a bull rope match kind of deal here with Lex Luger, and yeah. we're not going to have a three count. We're not going to have a five count. No, he wants mm-hmm. a four count. Yeah, which is that that's because bull rope matches have different rules like across the years, but that that's in my head, that's what a bull rope match or a strap match, touch all four corners, get the win. That's what makes it fun, in my opinion. Yeah, like the 
what was this one that here that had kind of a dusty finish? Was it Eddie and JBL? That was the my first ever wrestling show, Great American Bass 2004. Got to witness that, and uh, yeah, it was like uh, what Eddie like drove he he dragged JBL, and like JBL would touch the corner behind him, and then by the time they got to the last one, like Eddie hit a splash in the corner and knocked JBL into it, and that's what made him win. So that's what won him the title, right? Yes. Yep. Oof, that's a rough that was, one. That was that was a rough one. That Speak- whole show was rough. <laughs> oh yeah, just uh. Hats off to uh, both the U.S. and U.K. variant of the Ruthless Aggression podcast guys who are going yes. through this. One of them's about to hit SummerSlam 04, and one of them's about to hit, I think, No Way Out 05. 05, yeah. I haven't, uh, heard, I haven't heard from Michael Ragg and the U.K. boys in a while. Hope they're okay. Yeah, I think they're coming back sometime soon because they just did Armageddon 04. I guess it was probably like a few months ago at this point, but... I think I heard no New Year's Rev they had too. And uh, one of the guys from the US just had a baby. So shout out to Levi. Congrats, bud. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And we have a rough one here with the semifinal match between Team USA and Team Mexico. Ray and Conan, not that Ray and Conan, not the Filthy Animals, although Filthy Animals versus the Steiners, I'd be all up for. Uh, mm-hmm. Steiner with a really nice bulldog on K Dog. Mysterio gets tagged in here and uh, a young Kevin Owens takes notes here because Rick lands a really crisp pop-up powerbomb for the win. Onto Ray Mysteriac. On, onto uh, Mr. Mysteriac here, who was, uh, uh, who was the bloke that played Mysterio in the last Spider-Man movie? It was, the, it was against that guy. Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure. But yeah, they didn't, still haven't fixed the graphic. Uh, nobody still, nobody knows what his name is still, but uh Ah, uh, you probably won't need to know it in the future. It's fine. Yeah, they're eliminated. It's okay. Yeah, but uh, man, that Doomsday Bulldog that the Steiners do is always, always beautiful. Um, yeah. No, I, I the the Conan, Conan Mysterio versus Steiners. You see that on paper. Um, you'll probably think it's Rey Mysterio Jr. and you'll probably think it's great, but this was not. So, um, it was fine for what it was. Watching the Steiners throw people around. I mean, I'm sorry. Watching the the Breaker Brothers of uh, throw people around is always a always a fun time. It is very good. Next up, we have the Horsemen talking about this limo ride incident. So there's been this whole deal about uh, I don't know this limo was commandeered or something, and and Ric Flair was supposed to be in the tag team title match later on the show with the, the Horsemen versus Doom, which any other day of the week, any iteration of the Horsemen versus ron simmons and butch reed sign me the hell up but this was so friggin weird it's like this limo gets stopped these i don't know these ruffians these rednecks or something just pop out of the redneck and attacking and out of nowhere you see teddy long brandishing a gun for some reason (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I was so confused by all this i i I don't know i all i wrote down was limo ride teddy long with a gun and Ric Flair is written off of the tag team title match. Gee, I wonder why. Now hold on there, player. <laughs> oh, they're going to have a tag team match, player. Speaking <laughs> of a t- hey, player, speaking of a tag team match here, we got Team USSR and Team Japan, player. Holla, holla. Uh, Zig <laughs> even hemmed him some up. 
these guys are becoming my favorite dark horse tag team in this whole thing. Like, I want to see more. I want to see them like go for a run with the titles. Like what, what was, yeah, the Gulf war was a thing at this point in time. So take advantage of heat like that, but with the USSR, like USSR crumbles. Yeah. We're still the Soviet union. We're the champions. Take advantage of that kind of heat. Hell yeah. But they're going up against another country that had heat at this point in time with, with Japan. So Mr. Saito and the great Muda again, great Muda, of course, you know, doing his spit of the mist in the air bit. Like mm-hmm. Ham, Hamnisavov here with just the most gorgeous overhead Tazplex. Dude, Hash, Hashmikov, that's, that's his name, right? He's the, the shorter, stronger one, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, both these guys. I mean, they're like, you can almost compare them a little bit to uh, the, the Alpha Academy. Nowadays, yeah. Chad Gable and Otis, um, yes. like a blend between them and the, uh, oh my God, Simon Gotch, Aiden English, the Bob Villains. Yes, a little bit, a little bit of those teams, like kind of mashed into one. And I, I thought, I thought they were great. I, I, I just saw this team for the first time on Dark the other night, but uh, I'm also thinking like maybe a bit of Bear Country as well. Yeah, yeah, these that, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. These, there's. It's just a team that looks like they're about to go wrestle some bears. Oh, man. For, forget sending Hook. Send Hamishkov. Like, seriously. I'd buy that shirt. Send Hamishkov. Yeah, there, there's something that's going on in the in the shop in the new year, folks. Keep an eye out for it. Huh? Really <laughs> nice belly-to-belly. Uh, Saito Lariat in a Saito suplex. And unfortunately, our, our Russian boys are out here. We have Team Japan going off to the finals. And for some reason, I wrote down Pearl Harbor, and I'm just going to brush past that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, you know, Pearl Harbor, make your own joke, everybody, listeners. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, Pearl Harbor and wrestling, get jumped from behind. That's what some random commentator, this this Japanese gimmick, jumps someone from mm-hmm. behind, and all they said is shout Pearl Harbor. Now, when you hear that in wrestling, that's all you hear. And I wrote <laughs> down here, I love the Soviets. Uh, Doom, I think, has a... Uh, interview here uh homie don't play that is all i heard from this interview just damn damn there, there wasn't enough damn for this one not but there's not enough damn for this one because we have lex luger versus stan hansen versus the u.s title in a lariat match slash bull rope match and oh boy just hansen here was just ending his career in america because he would go on to have a big run in japan with and against people like big van vader giant bernard just an absolute icon legend one one of the best classic heels in the biz too Mm -hmm. yeah for sure big stan hansen guy when he's not dribbling dip spit down his chest which he was during this entire match i think a (laughs) big big cigar hanging out of his mouth just dip just just doing a two for one for your tobacco content here god there's a cartoon character this stan hansen He's like, was it a big, big text or someone from one of those old cartoons? Yeah. Hansen chokes Luger with the rope here. And this match here, it's all Stan Hansen. Just chair, guardrail spots, a belly-to-back suplex. Luger has a leg drop. He goes for the four pads. He gets three of them, but is sent into the fourth. And at the same time this goes down, there is a ref bump. And then Stan Hansen gets the boot out. He hits the four posts and apparently wins not not wins uh, retains his u.s title 
but mm-hmm. no, no, hold on a minute, player. Out comes, <laughs> out comes another referee to reverse the decision. There's no instant replay because, I mean, it would take days to get the tape back for instant replay in 1990. Right. <laughs> yeah, why doesn't this happen, like, more often? Like, a ref doesn't see it, but another ref did, so they just switched the decision after the fact. It's like, why even have the ref bump if that's going to be the thing that happens? Just have a second ref on the outside. or It's like in hockey. You have the referee and you have the linesman. Mm-hmm. So you, you have something like that. Uh, <laughs> I, this match was great, though, especially like when uh, Luger hit three posts and he was like just reaching for that fourth one. Like the crowd was super hot for it. I thought the drama of it was great. And when Luger finally hit it, the pop, it was probably the biggest pop of the night. So I, this is probably the first match that lasted longer than like five minutes. But uh, it was kind of a brawl for the most part. But towards the end, I, I thought it was uh, some good shit, pal. It's uh, we're on the Luger train now because we're he's uh, moving his way up the card. He'd he'd be a champion not long after this, mm-hmm. I, I don't think. But unless it was not long after this, he also had the motorcycle accident that sidelined him for a year, and then he went to the WWE. And uh, you're, you're you're just wrapping up his career, I think, right now. Like Allied Powers aren't a thing for very much longer. Yeah, because I'm uh like a month or two before Nitro, and that's when he shows up. So. Yeah, yeah, kind of tying the knot on Luger, but uh, so in this match he didn't have the plate in his arm. No, he, I think he got in an accident around ninety one, ninety two. Like if you if you've seen it, Luger actually appears via video at WrestleMania eight, but this was when Vince McMahon had the World Bodybuilding Foundation as well. Mm. Oh, Gary Stridham, yeah, just it's pretty good, Vince. I I, I try. <laughs> But we, he 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 wouldn't debut for the company like wrestling wise until like Rumble '93, WrestleMania nine. And then we're on the Lex Express. The oh man, we need a hero. Bringing it Ugh. back to King Mabel here. Yuck. Ah, <laughs> uh, that, that was like one of the first wrestling VHSs I ever watched was SummerSlam '93. Yeah. Yeah. It, I still. That's about to say, I still haven't seen it. Isn't yeah. that the one with Diesel debut there or something? He was a heavy for Michaels. Like, no, he, he debuted on Raw. Mm, I see. When uh, him and Gennady traded the title back and forth. Right, right. How could I forget? <laughs> yeah, I, I listen to a lot of uh, Cultaholic classic Raw reviews, so I get, I get my feel from there. Shout out to Tom Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you want a good shout out here? We have the Four Horsemen represented by Arn Anderson without a Glock and Barry mm. Windham versus Doom. The uh, I, I think this was for the titles, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Doom here is Ron Fruk, Simmons, and Butch Hacksaw Butch Reed in a street fight. And Arn, just the funny visual here of Arn, like he is, he can be unintentionally funny here. He is wrestling in jeans with knee pads over the jeans. We gotta protect your knees. Well, that's that's true, but it's just it's a very funny visual. You gotta let everybody know that he's wearing knee pads. Indeed, we have a schmoz here. Nothing but chairs, ring posts, and this is a hardcore brawl from like ninety nine two thousand here with the title on the line. Butch yeah. Reed here gets the 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 belt buckle and starts digging in on Barry, which I guess cuts him open hard way or blades him or something. 
Arn Whips Reed. Those are really mwah, the spine busters, not only by Simmons, but Arn as well. Like both of these two lads can can kill the good. best in the the best spine busters in wrestling. The best. There's press slams and beatdowns. Ron goes to the top. There's a low blow. Superplex, and nobody kicks out of the Barry Windham superplex. Oh, wait. No, he just did. Reed goes up <laughs> to the top rope for the super shoulder block on Arn. There's a chair shot. There's a kick out. There's pile drivers. There's DDTs. And then there's a bit here where a member from each team pins the other member from each team. Damn it, Nick Patrick. Pins them both. And it takes so fucking long for the decision to be made here as to what's going to, who's the winner. And it's a draw. Wyndham had the pin way before (laughs) Ron Simmons did, but we we don't pay attention to that. It was, yeah, but how'd you like this match? Again, it was, it was kind of, I think it's a weird decision having this right after the, uh, the bull rope match because they both felt like just brawls, like all around the ring. So it kind of blended together for me. Um, but I like all four of these guys. Um, really cool to see Ron Simmons here. And like, I don't know if it's his prime necessarily, but definitely like a younger Ron Simmons. Um, Arn Anderson, it's crazy because like you see someone like Dax Harwood today and he obviously he's pretty much just cosplays Arn Anderson, but it's, it's amazing how similar they were. Like, I don't know if, how old Arn is here, but it's probably pretty similar to what Dax is. So that, that just stuck out to me, especially in the promo. Like there's the exact same. Um, but yeah, it was a fun brawl. Always love seeing all these guys, some blood. Uh, but the one thing about this match that I, that stuck out to me was like the energy of it. Like it felt like these guys hated each other. Like it sucked me in in that way. Um, so it was definitely believable in that sense. But yeah, the screwy finish, like again, like we just had the, uh, the, the, the ref bump switcheroo of the title before this. And now we have a double pin. It's like, and then we're not even at the main event yet. So it's like lots of shenanigans to close out the show. There's a lot of questionable officiating I've noticed. Like it's it's an underlying theme throughout this entire thing is the officiating. Yep. And now we have an, an advertisement for Wrestle War '91 with War Games featuring Doc Hendricks here as Uncle Sam, which was I don't awful. know. <laughs> it was all awful. I, I might watch this show just for shits and giggles later. Like all sports are canceled in Canada. Like the World Junior Hockey Championships postponed. Leafs oh, no. games canceled. So I'll need to watch bloody something tonight. But what it won't be is this next match. USA versus Japan. The Pat O'Connor Tag Team Tournament Finals. Pearl Harbor Revenge. Steiners and Saito and Muta. The International Tag Team Champions and the Universal whatever they, they said universal <laughs> they said international make up your bloody mind no but they're all just making it up on the fly or they just meant and misread something like i just did here but great muda with the insiguri and i love that they put over the insiguri as a dangerous move i'm a big fan of a good inzy i owen hart just the master of it there Shawn michaels collapsing yeah yeah for sure uh, it's a uh, Really good one here. A Steiner line. Muda is crotched here. And uh, JR says, well, that's going to ruin his date. <laughs> God, JR never changes. Uh, uh, Godspeed to JR. They just came back last night after kicking cancer's ass. What a fucking Hell hero. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the man. 
uh, anyone who like who who beats cancer is a hero in my mind. That's well, that's like my, that's like my dad did. He beat that. So shout out, shout out, love you, pops. Uh, Muda crotched here. I already said that handspring elbow, and then they try to ring Rick's bell, and I uh, think they call it sneaky tactics here. Uh, that's somewhat offensive there, Jim. Like, come on here, sneaky Japanese thing. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, Scott hits a really nice tiger, but that really nice release tiger bomb that Scott Steiner likes to break out once in a while is very good. Mm-hmm. Spike pile driver, Rick hits a sunset flip here, and Team USA, USA, USA wins the Pat O'Connor trophy. Oh, Jim yeah, Hurd comes out to do. present it. Jim Hurd, boo. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know it's been a long tournament up to this point so i was like okay yeah you gotta figure the u.s is gonna win so although they did have a relationship with new japan i don't know if it was at this point or if it was later so feasibly you could have seen japan win this as well but um yeah it was what it was like all these matches kind of blend together honestly but i always love watching the steiners even to this day they're one of my favorite tag teams of all time even though they're a little bit before my time i always love going back and watching because it's so clear how many teams nowadays are patterned after these guys, uh, especially old, uh, old Braun. It, it's crazy. Like, obviously, it's it's Rick's uh, son. So, obviously, there's going to be a resemblance. But you can tell in the promo. So, they, they win the match. They have the whole celebration. It's, it's especially evident when Rick takes the mic, how just on the nose he is with Braun Breaker. So, that was a little funny note that I saw. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff from all around. Yeah, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree there so that's the end of the pat o'connor tag tournament there we have steiners lifting up that big wrestlemania 4 trophy except bad news brown wasn't there to smash it into pieces no that was bret hart <laughs> bad news brown I wanted confused yeah I, yeah i'm when you're 37 years old your brain starts to kind of go on you but <laughs> <laughs> yes we have reached the culmination here kyle all right this is the part where i leave uh you have a good rest of your podcast and I'll just leave and do anything else. Yeah, this is where you can give your, your plugs, apronboat.com, <laughs> <laughs> going through Ring of Honor, all that. Yeah, so the Black Scorpion here. This angle has been going on since about the summer. Who's the Black Scorpion? 1989 Denver Broncos, Mephesto, Chef, Eric Cartman's <laughs> mother. Uh, yeah, this whole deal. <laughs> so the Black Scorpion's been this mysterious masked figure who was... I think either originally portrayed or voiced by Ole Anderson because Ole could put over the deep kind of voice. And it's someone from his past is back here to haunt Sting. Is it the ultimate warrior because Blade Runners? Is it someone else? Is it someone stupid? Is it the higher power? Is it Vince McMahon? It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> it, is it friggin' uh, what was it? Another mass thing that ended up being something stupid. I can't think of it. Maybe it was the higher power. Too many to count. Too many to count. So Black Scorpion, this figure, it's like, you know, I'm going to expose Sting or I'm going to do this, this and that. Uh, Teasing that he is a former partner or a former associate of Sting. And when we eventually reveal who it is, uh, not quite. And he's been attacking him, cutting promos and whatnot, and trying to something. Sting here is the world heavyweight champion, the 
the big gold belt, the WCW title, because the NWA didn't dissolve from the company until about 93. Because I, I reviewed a show recently. I think it was, it was Beach Blast. Yeah, because they were talking, and I forgot to like research this, but they were talking like it was like almost like a transition into WCW at this point. Is that kind of how it was? Because it's the, like you said, it's the NWA world title. It was the NWA tag team titles. So like, I don't know what the situation was there because I, I didn't live through it. So I don't really remember it, but. Well, I think it was something to do with, with the Turner when, uh, when Ted Turner got involved, which was not long after this. That's when it would be actually world championship wrestling, but with NWA titles because WCW would get their own. They had the WCW title. Then they had the worldwide or the world title. It, it was some weird thing, but when you had both the, titles, the international title, international, that's it. Yep. Thank you. And uh, that merged when the NWA dissolved from Ted Turner and then Dan, the beast Severin and Chris Candido would trade the title back and forth. Not long after that, the same title that Shane Douglas whipped down to the ground and said that it could kiss his ass. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But this is big Goldie. This is the reign of terror. This is the triple H title that I'm looking at right over here to my upper right that no, that you can't see, but I believe you. Yeah. We, okay. So the NWA titles on the line with the black scorpion, Dick, the bruiser. I just noticed how huge that man is. He's that, that is literally the, the human version of Popeye, the sailor man, this Dick, the bruiser. He is a, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a mean looking fella. And this match, of course, is also title versus mask. The Black Scorpion here comes out with several Black Scorpions. Like, I'm seeing double, full Black Scorpions. Oh, this whole thing, like, I don't know how long this, like, entrance lasted. It had to be at least four Pat O'Connor matches. It, it, it was. This is why the Pat O'Connor tournament was, was padding for time. Ha, 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 pun intended. Uh, mm -hmm. JR is like, I'm wearing gold, Gordon Soli's bifocals here, and Paul Heyman is teasing the aforementioned this is someone's from Sting's past. Uh, and there's this weird UFO type thing just comes down from the ceiling. And that reminds me of the friggin' egg that the gobbledygooker popped out of <laughs> just before this. Oh, yeah, shoot, that's right. R.I.P. headphone users. Oh, and <laughs> and these are only mess. Like he cuts the microphone and it's like these are only messengers. There was only one Scorpion. There was only one Highlander. It's like the Shockmaster about to debut. Uh, I think it was Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget was about to debut here with that voice. <laughs> yeah, as well as like four Scorpions, right? Come out at least. And then the real one comes into the ring here. And uh, yeah, this match here breaks down into rest hold. Sting has a press slam. And there is actually Black Scorpion signs in the crowd. So it's over. Somehow. I guess. I don't know. Uh, maybe, I, you know maybe coming in cold with, without context of the build. It didn't really <laughs> tie me in. This match kind of plotted around for a long, long time. Last few minutes was fun, but man, is you know what's funny though? So I, I went because I looked at the card before the show, like I said, and 
in the main event, it had Sting versus the Black Scorpion, and in parentheses, it said Ric Flair. Uh, spoiler alert, everybody. But um, I, I wish I didn't know it was Ric Flair, just so I could like see if I could figure it out just by uh, watching it. Because I don't, I, I don't know, because like I said, I knew going in, so I don't know how obvious it was if you know. But it was funny in hindsight, with that knowledge, watching Black Scorpion try to wrestle not in a Ric Flair way. Like, for example, there was one point where uh, Sting was on the ground and Black Scorpion looked like he was about to do like a Ric Flair knee drop, but then he like stutter stepped and did a low drop instead. So little things like that throughout the match, I think honestly probably slowed the match down a little bit and made it a little more because Ric Flair could do his Ric Flair things. <laughs> that was just an interesting aspect of the whole thing. Yeah, it, it was kind of an interesting dynamic here where it's like, okay, so you're not going to wrestle as Ric Flair. That's kind of like asking, you know, Kurt Angle or Bret Hart not to wrestle like them because you're kind of masked by this different thing that you're doing, pun intended. And and I'll look at the, like, that's, that's Ric Flair's like, like mouth here. I can, I can tell that that's mm-hmm. him. This match just goes back and forth here. It's long, it's plotting. I didn't take that many notes here, but Scorpion is working Sting over, you know, ramming him to the cage. Sting eventually fights back. He hulks up, he stings up or whatever, goes for the death lock. Scorp tries to escape and then Sting knocks him off the top rope, hits a flying tackle off the top rope and retains the title here. Sting is still the champion. And uh, in a match, in a moment here that I don't think I'd watch NXT war games when this, when this came out, because there was a moment here that paralleled that very thing by father and son, no less. And that's the Steiners coming out with bolt cutters. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's a good point. <laughs> and they were struggling with bolt cutters. Like, bolt cutters are hard. They're difficult. I, I, I know. And uh, Rick here is just, just struggling with it. And I'm, Flash forwarded to NXT War Games, like what, just maybe a little while after I watched this or before I watched this. And sure enough, Braun Breaker is having the time of his life. I wonder if that was like a callback to this. It, it, when they did it. It had to be. Like m- maybe yeah. I'll get blocked by Braun Breaker by asking them this question. <laughs> <laughs> but all, all the scor- all the scorpions here try to get into the ring here and try and uh you know prevent Ric Flair from being unmasked. Spoiler alert again. Sting and Bruiser are trying to work everyone over. The horsemen come out. Uh, the Steiners come out here. And uh, and, I'm, and I wrote down here, the last thing I wrote here was Dick the Bruiser would just end all these guys in the ring with, with the snap of the finger. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's old absolutely. school. And mask comes off, it's Ric Flair. Like, shocker, surprise. I thought, I thought the reveal was super weak the way they did it, because it's almost like it was like if you were actually trying to rip somebody's mask off, like how they would react, but it's pro wrestling. You want to like rip the mask off and have like the camera on their face and see them react. But the way they did it, Ric Flair, you could like barely see his face. You just saw like the back of his head and the commentary says, oh, it's Ric Flair. And then you're watching it and you're like, oh, I guess I didn't really see him. But because Ric Flair just kind of sprints out after the mask gets <laughs> ripped off. So I thought the reveal was kind of lackluster. Yeah, and uh, Ric Flair would actually go on to beat Sting for the title like like a month after this. Right. Yeah, sounds about right. Yep, and then he would go on to be the real world's champion. So there's there's another history lesson for you there. So, yeah, that was the that was a messy show. That was a messy 
messy Starcade, and Starcade's supposed to be their WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, but we have here, Kyle, this is the point of the show where uh, we're wrapping up. Plug your shit, man. Let us know where we can uh, find you, listen to you, and what you do. Yeah, well, once again, Fretz, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, the sh- you know, Starcade 90 is a, uh, I didn't know what to expect coming into it, but uh, it was a good little time capsule. Like I said, I never watched a show uh, from this era. So uh, parts of it were fun and parts of it were just silly, but uh, <laughs> a fun time here nonetheless. Uh, but yeah, you can check out my podcast, the Apron Bump Podcast, not Apron Bumps, the Apron Bump Podcast. Um, you can find apronbump.com to really find anything related to me on my social media, uh, wherever you, I'm available, wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as YouTube. Um, what else? Apron Bump on Twitter is probably where I'm most active. Uh, I do retro reviews on my podcast as well. So if you like what uh, Fretz does and the Wrestle Addicts crew, you'll like what I do. Uh, cover several different timelines, uh, big and small. So I'll cover uh, WWF, both from the mid nineties and early two thousands, as well as like WCW, ECW. Uh, but I also get into, uh, things like ring of honor, TNA progress wrestling and, uh, whatever I feel like. So if you want a little, uh, a little something new, a little, maybe a little variety, maybe a company you've never followed before and you want to revisit it and relive it, check out the apron book. Uh, and yeah, I think that's about it. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Follow us at addict underscore wrestle on Twitter, wrestle addict radio on uh, Instagram, our Patreon, patreon.com slash wrestle radio, five bucks a month. You get some stuff. I'll get some stuff coming out in the next little bit. I hope also listen to the Kings other rings podcast streaming every Wednesday on Twitch and YouTube and making his return. Actually, maybe by the time you hear this is our good brother, Zach, Mr. YLP, the young lines perspective, making their, long awaited return and i gotta give a big shout out i gotta give flowers to uh our former uh podcaster on wrestling radio but he's still a good brother still a good friend mance hope you're doing well bud hope you're doing safe staying safe and yep that's been it 